You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you would turn to Acts, the book of Acts, and we'll be in chapter 9. We're going to pick up in the latter part of chapter nine, as Tom will come back and go to the first part of chapter nine next week. Begin in verse 31. The health of the churches in this region is what we're going to open up with. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. The churches had peace. That doesn't mean that the, prosec- that the persecution had ended. And we'll read about more of that persecution next week. We're talking about Saul. But the church was persecuted, and we, I, I seem to be just echoing. Am I okay? I'm just telling you, I could get loud. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're looking here in verse 31. Here's a, a statement. The churches had peace. Persecution hadn't stopped. But why did they have peace and how did they have peace? That seems like an oxymoron. They're being persecuted, but yet they have peace. And yet, it says they lived in the fear of the Lord. That's why they had peace. They lived in the fear of the Lord and they had the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, they grew. They grew spiritually and they grew numerically. And this statement, living in the fear of the Lord, has been a statement that has confused a lot of people. It used to confuse me as a kid growing up. How can you fear God and same time love him? Well, I compare it to this. The way I was raised, I adored my father, but I was fearful of him. When he told me If you ever get picked up by the police, don't call me. You're better off in that jail cell than you are if I get my hands on you. So I truly believe that statement. And I knew he loved me, but this goes beyond that. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To grow in knowledge, we need to fear the Lord. It goes hand in hand. And that means to be whole, that means to be single-minded and live according to God's word, to his law. That's what it means to fear the Lord. It, it's the process of, uh, process of realizing that my situation is desperate without God. It's impossible without God. And for me to come to that understanding 
And for me to come to the knowledge, the knowledge of how much God loves me and how much he wants me to be with him, that's when I understand the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, I developed that knowledge. I developed that understanding. And so the word comforter, or in this version, encourager, is the same one that Jesus shared with us in John 14 and verse 16. And this is how we have peace. And this is why this church, these, these churches, these body of believers had peace. Even though their lives were being threatened, even though bad things were happening, they had peace. Because they had the love of God in their heart. And they were sharing this. So when we come to verse 32, it, it begins talking about the ministry of Peter. And in verse 32, meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydia. And there he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. There is no information given about Aeneas, whether he was a Hebrew, whether he was Jewish, whether he was a believer or not, no information. It just says that Peter met this man. Peter had been traveling from place to place. Now what has changed, the last time we were reading about the apostles, they were in Jerusalem. But remember, the church had been dispersed because of the persecution. People had fled. Now they're reaching out to the people in the remote areas outside of Jerusalem. So Peter is being led by the Holy Spirit to enter into this region. And it says, there he met a man. See, Peter was ministering. And all it says, he, he met this man. Do you see people with needs? Do you see the needs that people have? We see these needs daily, don't we? But do we move to meet those needs or to help those people with those needs? Do we feel the urging of the Holy Spirit to move us, but we resist that? Do we resist walking through the door that God opens? When we walk in the fear of the Lord, we're not afraid to walk through the door because the Holy Spirit is walking with us. Are you looking for opportunities to share the love of God? Do we look for opportunities to share Jesus? If we look for opportunities and we have God in the forefront of our minds and Jesus truly is in the center of our world, doors will be open. And we will recognize those doors being open. And then we will see the power of God work in other people's lives. Here in verse 34, chapter 9, Peter said to Aeneas, he walked up to him, met him, and he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. And the whole population of Lydians and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around 
and they turn to the Lord. Now, notice here in verse 32, the whole population of two villages or two cities, the whole population turned to the Lord. So Peter walked up to the man and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ heals you. Peter clearly identified where the power was coming from. And when he said, get up and make up your bed, we're reminded of Jesus healing the paralytic man in Mark chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. When Jesus said this, he turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed this mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Peter was there. And Peter repeated the scenario. But he said, you're healed through Jesus Christ. And then verse 35, remember he said, the whole population... See, Aeneas was a walking testimony. That's why he was healed. It wasn't to help him walk. It was to save people's soul. What is the greater miracle? The greater miracle here is not the healing of the body. The greatest miracle that takes place is the salvation of a soul. Think about it. Well, see, why do you call that a miracle? Because we're condemned. We're condemned for eternity. We are condemned to a devil's hell if we don't accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're condemned because of our sin and our iniquity. It is a miracle that God takes us out of despair, out of eternal damnation, and rescues us. That's greater than any other thing that could happen to us. It's the greatest miracle of all that he does for humankind. And this was the purpose of the healing. So that the whole population, the whole population of these two areas responded by believing in Jesus Christ. The first miracle enabled the second miracle. How is salvation greater? Is eternal. And then that brings us down to verse 36. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in the Greek is Dorcas, and she was doing kind things for others and helping the poor. And about this time, she became ill and died. And her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby in Lydia, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. Tabitha was a Proverbs 31 woman of character. If you'd write that down and go back and read Proverbs 31, this type of person Tabitha was. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. She was beloved by this body of believers. And her effect on people was so great that when she died, Peter was sent for. They heard he was in an area about 20 miles away. And they went to get him. Why? Why send for Peter? And why tell him to come as soon as possible? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Why did they implore him to come ASAP? 
They had heard about the Christians there in Joppa had heard about what God was doing, the miraculous things that Peter was doing. And they also knew that Peter could come there and help them deal with this grief. These believers had faith in the power of God. They knew God would help their situation, whether through grief or whatever may happen. He would help them through it. So in verse 39, Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to an upstairs room. Now, time has to pass. He, he was walking. Be like walking from here to Siloam Springs. Take a while. Meanwhile, this woman was laying upstairs, being prepared for burial, waiting. So he got there, and as soon as he had arrived, they took him upstairs, and the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and the other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes, and we saw Peter. She sat up, and he gave her his hand and helped her. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and presented to her to them alive. And the news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. Why did Peter clear, clear the room? See, Peter was led to do by the Spirit just as he had seen Jesus do that was recorded in Mark 5, 38 through 43. When Jesus went to the room and brought the child back to life. Peter cleared the room. Peter was not acting on his own initiative. He was following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And stop and think. This was the same guy who denied the Christ. Not once, but three times. The same man who wanted to fight who wanted to fight the captors of Jesus. The same man who walked on the water and when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he went down. And yet here he is in this situation that a woman is raised from the dead. And you say, I can't. I can't do this. I can't serve. I can't share Jesus. I can't talk to someone about the love of God. No, you can't, but the Holy Spirit through you can. It changes you. So Peter cleared the room, and he gets down on his knees, and he prays. He prays before he speaks to Tabitha to get up. Here in this room was an enormous display of power. And bef but before there was a display of power, there was prayer. Before the power comes the prayer. Are we listening? Prayer preceded the power being released. Once we pray, we, ex we can expect to see power. But don't expect power without prayer. 
One will bring the other and you can't reverse that. Now, I, I read this statement I want to share with you. And if you're on the U-verse, it's uh, notes, it's in there. And I, I can't, I lost who wrote this, so I'm not taking credit for it at all. But listen carefully. If you give Jesus Christ limited access to an engagement with you, you can expect to have limited power from him. If we give Jesus limited access to our heart, to our life, we can expect limited power. We are not in tune with Christ when we don't commune with him regularly. See, Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with each one of us, but most of us just have a casual relationship with him. Jesus wants us to come to him and surrender our all to him. He wants to know our innermost thoughts. He wants to know our innermost feelings. He wants to know everything about us. He knows what's going on in our life. But he wants us to share that. You know where most relationships break down? Lack of communication. Whether it's marriages, whether it's friendships, whether it's family. If communication breaks down, there's going to be a fracture in that relationship. We don't communicate with our Lord. There's going to be a fractional relationship on our part. And Jesus is sitting there waiting for us to, to talk to him, to commune with him, tell him what is going on. That's what he wants from us, and yet we're holding back. We, get in, we want him to do something about our problem right now. And then we'll pray. But going back to where we started in this chapter, these believers were at peace because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want peace? Jesus is the answer. You want to overcome the problems in your life? Jesus Christ is the answer. That's what He wants. The believers who live in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit have peace. In verse 42, when the news spread about Tabitha rising from the dead, the whole town heard this and many believed in the Lord. The first miracle enabled the second. We have to release our selfishness and submit. We have to surrender. And for me, it's an everyday deal. Because the enemy knows my weaknesses. Knows yours. And is always playing on our weaknesses. Before the power, we want power released in our life, we've got to have prayer. We've got to talk to our Lord. We've got to invite Him into our life and let Him consume us. 
and we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we are, when we are accepted Christ into our life, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit at that point. The Holy Spirit enters into our life, fills us. But we're leaking daily. And we pray for the Lord to fill us. The Holy Spirit never leaves, but we're asking to fill us to capacity on a daily basis. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your power. Because I leak my weaknesses. And once I pray, I can expect power. What we're going to do this morning, we're going to go outside and Justin's going to have a set up in a little grassy area. It's not near as hot as it's been the last few days. And with all that's going on in our country right now, this is not political what's going on in our country. It is spiritual. It's a spiritual battle going on. It has nothing to do about political parties. It has nothing to do about with all of that stuff. It deals with how Satan has raised up his head and he doesn't want Road versus Wade to be done away with. Millions of babies have been killed. And we, all, we want to pray for this in our country. We want to pray that God is first again in our country. And we want to pray that innocent children don't have their genitals mutilated because some adult thinks they need to be another gender. We're at a crossroads in this country. Spiritually. And we need to pray for God's power to be released in this country. To be released in within each of us. He is a forgiving God. And people have done things in their life. They may have had an abortion. They may have done other things. But, and they repented and God has forgiven. But let's stop this huge mistake from happening in this country on a daily basis. Let's pray for God's power to be released. So we're going to walk outside, if you're comfortable with that. And once we pray together outside, because we see people protesting all over the country. We're not protesting. We're showing this community that drives by that we're united in God's, in God's love. Just pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.